You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to detail our weekly power rankings and catch up with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio, plus Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, we appreciate the time. What's the latest when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott? Well, according to his agents, Rocky Arsenal and Frank Salzano, I've been talking with all day about this. He is withdrawing his appeal, no longer going to fight to stay on the field at this point. So all of the back and forth, will he be suspended, will he not, when will he serve, when is the next court date, it is all over. Uh, I have a statement from them, a couple of things that are important. First of all, they say the decision arises from a practical assessment of the current legal landscape. In other words, they were probably going to lose. They say in no way does this decision consider to be, should this decision be considered to be an admission of any wrongdoing, uh, it also says Elliot will maximize his time away from the game and come back even stronger uh, on and off the field. So now, finally, the Ezekiel Elliott situation is over. He is suspended, will serve his suspension, and will come back in late December. Wow, so that's going to be a tough blow for this team, uh, regardless if he would have fought for it or not. But let's think about the, the Buffalo Bills. Um, give me your take on this move from Tyrod Taylor to Nathan Peterman, and, and how do you justify that considering their schedule they have left with the Chargers, with New England? Um, you also have, what else, uh, Buffalo. You have, not Buffalo, but you have New Miami England Dolphins, twice, excuse me. Yeah. You have New England twice. Twice, yeah. And you have, uh, you have also New England twice. How do you justify that move to a young guy coming in the fifth round? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting seeing the reaction today, um, you know, because I know some people are sort of taking it like, well, I guess maybe they're, you know, tanking, like they think this is the better quarterback option. That is the reality here. I don't know if it is or not. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is a good, basically average, viable, fine NFL starter. Um, he is not going to get you killed. He might lead you on a game-winning drive or two. He's also not going to make any mistakes. He's not going to take any chances either. He is what he is, an average NFL starter. They think that Nathan Peterman at this point is more than that. And I don't know if they're right or not, but – you know, this is really a team trying to get a spark. Um, you know, they've lost two in a row. It's been ugly. They need more of their offense, and this is their the way they're going to go about doing it. So if this is the apparent end for Tyrod Taylor, barring Peterman playing poorly down the stretch in Buffalo, what's the free agent market for Tyrod Taylor going to look like? Ian, do you think he's going to get a legitimate offer or two to be a starter when we get to the offseason? To be a full-time franchise starter, my guess is probably not. Uh, Remember, he returned to the Bills this year uh, in basically the same fashion. I mean, you know, he could have been cut. They renegotiated his contract, redid the deal to to put him in a Bills uniform this year. But um, if he had a better market outside, I assume he would have just taken it, right? He would have just not redone his deal, said, cut me, gone and taken something better. So you have to imagine he didn't have something better. Um, you know, I would see him this year as a starter for someone who wants to come in and draft a quarterback. You know, sort of like Mike Glennon, but, you know, probably cheaper. 
Um, you know, a team that wants to build some depth at the quarterback position and have a someone who's ready to come off the bench if necessary, I think it'd be a great, great signing for somebody like that. When you speak of a signing and a place for Tyrod Taylor to go if it's not with the Buffalo Bills, uh, there are talks about the Broncos. How do you see that actually working out? Because they're not sure. too, there's not too much confidence there right now with the Denver Broncos. Well, uh, you know, I think if it's the Broncos, um, they certainly had, had some interest in him before he ended up going to Buffalo, before he became a starter and all of this. Um, you know, they, they had some interest in him. I would also say, what about the San Diego Chargers? You know, they have Anthony Lynn, who was the Bills running backs coach for a couple of years. Likes Tyrod a lot. They're trying to build depth and possibly a future behind Phillip Rivers. Um, that would make a lot of sense, too. You know, there's, there's going to be some options. Um, you know, what about um, Jacksonville? You know, next year you have Doug Maroon, who's obviously very familiar with everything in Buffalo, spent some time there. What about there? Um, there's going to be some options for Tyrod Taylor. I just don't think it's going to be as a full-time starter. Taking around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, last one for me. Let's go back to our conversation last week. You were perusing the transaction wire and saw Martellus Bennett had been cut. Then we're talking about rotator cuff injury, so severe he couldn't play anymore for Green Bay. Surgery is an option. How did he wind up playing for the Patriots on Sunday? And now what's coming up financially? Is Green Bay probably going to try to go after the signing bonus, right? Or at least a large portion of it. They are going to go after the large portion of the signing bonus, $4.2 million. It's prorated over the next two years. You know, they are alleging that the injury happened before he got there and they didn't know about it. Um, Bennett obviously says differently. And, you know, it's interesting because he decided to retire. He decided to have surgery, consulted with a lot of physicians, made the decision he was done, having surgery, retiring, told everyone, don't claim me. And the Patriots claimed him anyway, um, which is really interesting. And they just decide, you know, Patriots do not do groupthink. They make these decisions by themselves, and they decided just to claim him, and now it's it. Um, and now he's going to play for them. He decided, screw it. He's going to play for them shoulder and all, and, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Ian, great information as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll chat with you Sunday on First and Goal on NFL TuneIn Premium. Thank you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle 3-2. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's go round the league with Chris Rose of NFL Network. Chris, we appreciate you taking the time. You've been a part of the Combine for many years, and we all chatted with Nate Peterman there this year. Impressive, mature young man. Are you surprised, though, the Bills are making this quarterback change now? A little bit. Um, you know, the Bills have the longest playoff drought, not only in the NFL, but in North American pro sports. So when you're five and four and you're at least holding on by your fingertips to that sixth seed, 
it comes as a little bit of a surprise, but I watched the entire Saints-Bills game, and a lot of people say, well, you know, Tyrod Taylor isn't the reason that they gave up 298 yards on the ground, which I get. But at the same time, when you, there are going to be games where you are down in this league, and you have to throw the ball downfield. It's not the Bills' specialty. I get it. Um, it doesn't always fit Tyrod Taylor's skill set. I understand, but, man, it, they were throwing every pass, seemingly, the first two and a half quarters of that game, about five or six yards downfield. makes it hard to win in this league if you do it. So maybe they want to see if their rookie's got anything. Well, nothing against Nathan Peterman, uh, but when you look at the schedule they have coming up, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa coming off the edge. Yep. Justin Houston in that defense with Kansas City. New England, and what they've done in the past, uh, what, the past five games, giving up only 13 points a game, and then Miami with Indomitian Sue and company. It's not going to get any easier. So how do you, if you're putting yourself in the head coach's position and also the Buffalo Bills ownership, how do you put yourself in the conversation and saying, this is the real reason why uh, that we're making this move to this young kid, considering what we have on the table moving forward for as the schedule's concerned. My guess is, they would, Corey, you know this better than anybody, that they want to take a look and see if they've got anything there. Right. And if you're going to throw him into the fire and he shows you a little something, then maybe you don't have to go get a quarterback next year. But I, I, I think that when they extended Taylor, we all knew that because of the way the contract was structured, that it's, it wasn't a long-term thing in Buffalo, that they could get out pretty easily from under that. And so do you feel good enough about Nathan Peterman moving forward, or do you try and get one of the guys that's coming out next year? I mean, you know, Listen, the Bills just chi- changed out their hierarchy again. So they've got a new tandem in place, GM and head coach, and maybe they are sacrificing the short term for the long term. I mean, we don't – think that the Bills, even if they make the playoffs, are winning the Super Bowl, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yes, but Cordell okay. thinks Case Keenum can guide Minnesota to the Super Bowl. Well, okay. now and, That's you know, a separate talking point. Topic. Cordell, jump in. I don't want to be your mouthpiece on this program. He does but, a great um, job at that. Make sure let me tell you that, okay? Well, it's a, a pregnant pause. Someone was getting pregnant there, so I had to jump in with the can the Bills actually make it to the Super Bowl. Cordell, why can Case Keenum guide Minnesota to the big game and make history? First team to play the Super Bowl inside their home stadium. I never talked about the Super Bowl with Case Keenum. Ah. I, I never done that. He's talked about can they do it, and if they can't, why don't you just give Teddy Bridgewater an opportunity to be the starter? And I said Teddy Bridgewater hadn't started in a year and a half. Right. And you don't know for sure where this ACL is. You see what's happening with Sam Bradford and why he's not on the football field. So why you have momentum and rhythm and continuity – you ride Case Keenum as much as you can because there's nothing indicating that he should not be on the football field. Super Bowl conversations, that's down the road. Let's continue this trend of, to me, instead of being 5-2 and two based on being a starter, he's really 6-2 and because he came in a Chicago game and he finished it off and helped them win that game because of the issue to Sam Bradford. So if that means that this guy's going to take this team to a Super Bowl... Well, I'd let it be that because right now he's playing really good football. There's yep. no reason to move him, allow this team to continue to do what they do now. Well, Cordell, I'm with you a thousand percent on this one because if you look now, so there's no Aaron Rodgers, right? right. Yep. If Dallas wins, it's going to have to be probably from the five or six seed. They're, they're not going to catch Philadelphia in that division. Every other quarterback in front of them, although playing very well, with the exception of Drew Brees, doesn't have a great pedigree. I mean, Seattle's going to have to work to get its way back into this thing, and they might. 
injuries. Um, yep. mm-hmm. And then you could throw Russell Wilson in that conversation because he's won a Super Bowl as well. But the rest of it, Carson Wentz, been awesome. Jared Goff, phenomenal. January football is a little different. So why not Case Keenum? My man. Back to you, Brian. Other than the fact that he's Case Keenum. Cordell, I'm going to send you the tape. Come on, Weber. I'm going to send you the tape of the Rams and the Giants in London. Chris, call it geographic bias. We're here in L.A. I watched a lot of Case Keenum last year, and the Rams were three and one, fellas, to start the year. And I know it wasn't solely his fault, but Chris, here's my view. Sure, as his head coach, I think I understand. And Boris was Boris make a bit of a difference. Was abysmal as the play caller. Chris, here's my my view. You are what you consistently do. Case Keenum throws interceptions. I could be wrong down the stretch, and you throw touchdowns too. So I mean, here's the thing. thing, We'll find out, guys. Here's the thing, Chris. Last year, this is this is what he made. He's not going to renege on anything that he said. He's he's stubborn. So what he yeah. said was he does not belong in the National Football League as a quarterback. I've been a Case Keenum fan since they were in St. Louis. I've been watching him play. I thought he's played well with what they've asked him to do with the team that he had around him. And obviously, it was really just that bad because look how good they are with the new regime in, with Jared Goff playing as if he was the number one quarterback taken in the draft in which he came out. But – now that he is playing with a sound football team in a sense of their approach, you know, I get all this this notion of you are what you consistently do. Well, as of lately, he's thrown nothing but touchdown and a couple interceptions. So he's been playing pretty darn good. Teddy Bridgewater, he has to wait his turn. Sorry, Brian Weber, that your narrative about the kid being in the National Football League is no longer in existence. We'll find in out. Existence. And Chris is but. generous with his time. He'll come back you, out Chris. in December, and we'll pull the tape up. Chris, speaking of tape, <laughs> take us back to like that, a moment that went viral inside your studio in Culver City, Southern California. You play the clip of Tony Romo sharing his view that Deion Sanders did not like to tackle. What was going through your mind as Deion went thermonuclear? Uh, listen, I, I get it. I think Dion was certainly having fun with it and, you know, went back at Romo a little bit. Uh, I think it surprised everybody when Tony said that because you do, you know, unless you're Tom Brady and saying it in the booth, you open yourself up to criticism because not everybody's game was perfect. So, um, all the guys have an ego and I mean that in a good way that, Ego is not always a negative term. It's what made Dion as great as he was on the football field. And so, you know, he wants to make sure he's protecting his ground a little bit. And I get that. I get that. He's, he's my teammate. And I wasn't sitting there cringing or anything. So, um, you know, I think that my guess is they'll see each other at something in the near future and laugh about it. I don't think it was a big deal. Tony Romo will never do that again. I guarantee because Dion went uh, – he went – yeah, Dion went after big him. On it. Oh, he went after him big time. He's like, I'm trying to hold it, and I, I just can't. You yeah, know, he and, was. And, when he, yeah, he said some funny stuff. There's no <laughs> yeah, question about yeah, it. Yeah, I can't get it out right now. I'm trying I'm, to remember trying to, when we talked about the address, to, you know, right? take the high road, but I don't know the address. Yeah. That was pretty good. Chris, it was good TV, and that I'm glad good. you were a part of it. It was good for you. That, that, that was really good. But speaking of a team that's playing really good right now, how about Philadelphia, man? They, mm-hmm. they have really done a tremendous job. I would say with balance on the defense, their quarterback coming to the league, coming to this season, playing as strong as 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 he did part of last season, but even better, they grabbed Jay Ajayi, uh, which now helps their running game out with Smallwood and also uh, like Garrett Blunt. Give me your take on how good that football team is across the board from top to bottom, as well as the coaching staff. Well, even without Jason Peters, I think their their offensive and defensive line combo is the best in the NFL. 
You know, I think I watched him on a Thursday night in Carolina, I want to say. And that was the game where everybody kind of took a step back and was like, oh, all right. They were getting pressure up front with just four guys. And, Cordell, you know that if a team is getting in your face without sending an extra guy or two, it makes a world of difference in how they can play defense. So I'm a big believer in what they're doing on that side of the football. And, you know, I have this conversation. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I'm a big Browns fan. And I have this conversation with a lot of people about passing on Wentz and passing on Watson. And the other side of the argument is, well, if they get to Cleveland, they'll never be that good. Well, I look at what the Eagles have skill-wise. You know, Alshon Jeffries had a solid bounce-back season, but he's nowhere close to a dominant number one. You know, they've got a bunch of other guys, with the exception of, I think Zach Ertz has made a monumental leap at tight end. But their running backs are good. They're not the greatest ever. Um, And I think he's made the skill guys there better. I really believe it. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson had a better receiver group down there, but I think he's made that offense better. So, you know, let's give some credit to these young guys and what they're doing, and they're awfully fun to watch, Philadelphia. There's no question about it. Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again on the NFL on TuneIn, and I'm sorry I could not take the high road when it came to Case Keenum. Well, no, I was just wondering when I get my Case Keenum shirt from you, you know, as a parting gift for being on the show. What would that shirt look like? You'll get one for me. What would the shirt look like, fellas? It'd be ripped? Uh, no, I, I would imagine if you tossed it to me, it would be intercepted and returned for a touchdown. Is that what was, you're saying? Chris, I was going to go with it would be a small because he's diminutive. But again, I'm taking the high road. Thank you, Chris. You're not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> At I all. Tell you. Chris, I've become a hot take artist. I'm just trying to stay employed. Thank all you, Chris. All I can tell you is I will be tuned in ah. when Case Keenum is a guest on this show. You, by the way, don't back down. Do not back down. That is the promo, Chris. Thank you for handing that to our imaging department. We'll chat with you soon. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart this is nfl no huddle the podcast now let's focus on the lions with tory petry of DetroitLions.com. tory let's go back to sunday's win over the browns winless cleveland as you know had the lead for a good chunk of that first half do you think the lions might have been guilty of playing down to the competition because they really had to fight for that win yeah, they did have to fight for the win, but I don't think that they let it get in their heads at all that it, this was going to be an easy win. Uh, I think that it was just a matter of them not playing their best game. I don't think that it was a, 
a mental attitude at all where they, they played down to the Browns. They just uh, really struggled to stop the run, and that was really one of the biggest things uh, that they had a hard time with in that game, especially letting Deshaun Kaiser get loose on them. Um, and then once they were able to start cleaning things up in the second half and, and uh, really get the offense going as well in that second half, that helped. Tori, when you look at this football team that was geared up this year to to make some noise considering how well they played last year, they've been pretty inconsistent having three losses in a row against Carolina, New England, as well as Pittsburgh, three good teams in the National Football League right now. Give me the reason why you think they've been so inconsistent across the board and only being able to finish in the fourth quarter where they should be playing throughout the game. Yeah, I don't know that there's been really any one reason. Um, They've had games where their defense has been really strong and the offense hasn't played up to par, and then there's been games where the offense has been great and uh, they've they've struggled defensively stopping the run or getting pressure. Uh, So it's really been a variety of things. It it really just comes down to inconsistency uh, in, in terms of how they've played. Now, they've played some really tough teams at home, uh, when you look at some of their losses, losses to the Saints, the Panthers, the Steelers, all teams that are playing well right now and winning games, um, and those those are the Saints was on the road. But you look at some of those losses that they that they've had so far this season. They've been against tough opponents, uh, but they have been able to pull together for for wins that they should have gotten. You know, early on in the season against the Cardinals, against the Giants, those teams aren't really playing that well right now. Uh, and then, obviously, they pulled out the win over the Browns. They beat a Packers team that didn't have Aaron Rodgers that they should have beaten. So, uh, you know, they've kind of just been uh, working on finding a way to play a full, complete game where all four quarters, uh, you know, both sides of the ball are doing their part, and, and they're still really trying to find that uh, that consistency in that complete game. Chatting with Tori Petri, DetroitLions.com, and the Outstanding Lions Team Channel here on TuneIn. Let's move forward to what's coming up Sunday in Chicago. We know the Bears want to run the football with Jordan Howard and Trey Cohen. Tori, what's the state of the Lions' run defense? Well, it wasn't that great against the Browns. Uh, They gave up over 200 yards rushing against the Browns, so that's something that they certainly need to clean up this week as they head into Chicago because that is the way that Chicago wants to attack you. They have a really good run game, especially when you have a young quarterback like that. That's a way that you, you know, you, you win games is you rely on your run game. So they're going to be, they're going to have to, you know, cross their teeth and dot their eyes in terms of preparing for Chicago's run game this week, especially, you know, with it being an outdoor game where weather becomes a factor, you certainly want to be guarded against that run game. Uh, and their priority, they always say, is stopping the run first. And they've done it well in some games. They stopped the run well uh, against the Panthers. But you look at games that they lost against the Falcons, against the Saints, they did not stop the run very well in those games. So that's definitely something that they've got to clean up. Tori, when you see how Golden Tate has been playing, uh, out of the four years he's been there, three years he's He's gotten to 1,000 yards, and I would say this year is, the third, is, is another year where he'll get 1,000 yards. How good has he been uh, there for Sam when it comes down to Matthew Stafford and what he's been able to do and someone he can rely on? Oh, he's been a fantastic weapon for Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's been so reliable. The way that the guy gets yards after the catch is just incredible to watch. He plays with passion. Uh, you know, he, he plays in just a joyful, exciting way. And uh, the results show on the field. Uh, he really has become 
you know, the Lions' top receiver, really. And you have Marvin Jones as well, and, and he's played a key part in, in this offense this year. The Lions have a lot of different uh, go-to options in this offense. I mean, you know, Eric Ebron has had his down games, but he's also made some big plays for the Lions. He had a touchdown in that game against the Browns. Uh, and, you know, Kenny Galladay, the rookie, has shown some flashes when he has played, when he hasn't been injured. But Golden Tate has certainly been um, a very bright spot within this offense this year and, and really the his entire time here in Detroit. Um, he, he's really shined, and it's been fun to watch. Finally, Tori, as we've been talking about the disparity between the NFC and the AFC, if Detroit was playing the AFC this year, they'd be in great shape for a wild card at 5-4. <laughs> and four. Unfortunately, as you know, so many marquee teams in the NFC. What's it going to take for the Lions to make a real playoff push? What area do you think needs to be shored up the most as we get closer to December? Well, I think that they've got to be able to play well against teams that they should be in the second half of their schedule. They do not have a difficult second half, uh, but they can't play like they did against the Browns. They can't, you know, just barely get by teams or let teams that are not as good as them, as not, not as talented as them, hang in there. And, and they've got to guard against that. They can't start slow. They've got to, you know, start out fast, kind of like they did in that game against the Packers where they kind of took control of that game and controlled it the whole time. They've got to do more of that. And, you know, the offense has to just be able to uh, play up to the par that the defense has been playing. The defense overall has been very strong. Secondary, very strong. Darius Slay is playing great this year. Uh, I would say that the main thing defensively is making sure that they're consistently stopping the run and then offensively uh, just putting four quarters together. That's going to be the key in the second half. When you see where this Detroit team is right now, they've had an opportunity early in the year, earlier in the year to beat the Minnesota Viking, which is a team that's at the top of this division and really playing good football across the board. Do you see this Detroit Lions team now that Aaron Rodgers is not in that they can actually make a good run to try to be the best team in this division? Because it's still open if Detroit can take care of their business. Sure. I mean, it is an interesting situation in the division right now with how open it is, but Minnesota seems to be the team to beat. That game on Thanksgiving is, is for sure their biggest game on the second half of this schedule. It's their toughest one. It's their toughest opponent. It's a divisional game. It's in prime time. So it's, it's going to be a big one, you know, playing on Thanksgiving in front of a national audience, a divisional game against the toughest opponent that's left on your schedule. Uh, and, and that's going to tell us a lot about this team and, and who they are and where they're at right now. They beat the Minnesota Vikings once on the road already this season, and they've tended to own Thanksgiving Day under Jim Caldwell. They haven't lost the Thanksgiving Day game yet under him. So we'll see how that team goes or how that game goes, because there certainly is an opportunity to take control of the division if they are able to sweep Minnesota. Tori, as always, we appreciate the insights. Have a great week and we'll chat with you next week, getting set for the traditional Thanksgiving day game in Detroit as they get set to play the Vikings for the second time. Thank you, Tori. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book. 
the big chair. Today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Up next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we spotlight the Patriots with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy Cordell Stewart once earned the prestigious honor of AFC Special Teams Player of the Week as an emergency punter, so we relish in special teams conversation on this program. Was Sunday's game in Denver the best that you can recall in that phase of the game for the Patriots? Block punt kick return for a touchdown even though they lost Matthew Slater in the up next on NFL no huddle the podcast we spotlight the Patriots with Andy Hart from Patriots.com radio process yeah it was certainly up there and you know it, I guess it all depends on perspective because Broncos coach Vance Joseph said he's never seen worse special teams play than what his team put forth uh, in his career and Patriots took advantage I mean the first one a muffed punt um, you know, Isaiah McKenzie's done that a few times this year. They took full advantage. Uh, the, the kickoff return was just phenomenal blocking. Uh, Deion Lewis hit that early seam. Dwayne Allen gave him a block. Um, James Devlin, and they, boom, gone. You know, they, they work, they've been working apparently pretty hard on, on blocking, um, both field goal block and punt block in practices. And, you know, you got that to pay off with the Rex Burkhead block punt. So, um, you know, give Joe Judge credit, their special teams coach, and obviously we know Bill Belichick's a guy that puts a lot of emphasis on the kicking game, um, uses a lot of starters in the kicking game, and really it goes back since the beginning, and Cordell, you'll remember this, um, since the very beginning of this dynasty, they've always gotten big plays on special teams, whether it's blocked kicks and then return or, you know, big punt returns, obviously the field goals, but, you know, that's been a key part of this dynasty that probably goes a little bit, uh, under the radar. Yeah, it does. And, and that was a big part of you guys having a chance and, and actually not having a chance but beating us because because of special teams issues we had and you guys took uh, full advantage of it. But tell me about James uh, Devlin and being a fullback in this system. I mean, how often have we seen that from this team where a fullback can actually get a carry or two and be a part of the success moving forward considering how big he is? Yeah, he's, a, he's really a great story. Um, a Brown University graduate, um, defensive lineman at Brown, who I think was on the Bengals practice squad and then lands in New England on the practice squad, conversion to fullback. And now he's been here, I think, five years, five or six years now, and evolved from practice squatter to part-time guy to now he's a guy that, you know, both Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels call him the best fullback in the NFL. Uh, and I don't know if that's, you know, how much bias that is or how true that is, but he has gotten so much better in his blocking duties um, you watched that game the other night in Denver. He had a career-high 45 snaps. It was a lot of it lead blocking on Brandon Marshall and the linebackers. And there were times where he was squaring them up, leaving them on the ground, almost tapping out, you know, needing attention from the trainers afterwards. 
He's just a big, powerful guy. And then he gets his occasional catch here or there. He's a core special teamer. Um, you know, he, he's sort of, you know, been referred to as the perfect teammate, the ultimate teammate. Um, he does the dirty work. You know, Belichick earlier this year compared him to a, a hockey player who goes into the corner to get your team the puck, never scores the goals, um, but is really key to you scoring goals and winning games. And, you know, it's interesting. We've seen a lot more two-back sets, eye formation with him leading the way. You know, earlier in the year it was Gillisley. Now it's, it's more often for Deion Lewis, but he has become just a huge part of this team. And, and I think it's a mentality. It's, you know, a team-first attitude. It's a physicality. And then it's what he's actually doing as a fullback, as a lead blocker. And um, it's been a fun story to watch involved because, you know, when you think of the Patriots, it's always the stars. It's, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and, you know, these superstar Hall of Fame types. And then you get a guy like James Devlin who – has really carved out a key role for himself on this team. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, let's spotlight what's coming up in Mexico City. Raiders have the highest paid offensive line in all of football. Good names we know up front like Donald Penn. So do you think the Patriots will be able to apply pressure and get to Derek Carr south of the border? Probably not. Um, this pass rush has not been very good. It's been consistently bad quite frankly they just haven't got there and to the point where at times it's almost like they've given up and decided we're just going to rush three or two and we're going to draw you know Trey Flowers is their best pass rusher but they're dropping him into coverage at times Uh, Dietrich Wise their outside linebacker defensive end types because they just really haven't been able to get there with any consistency they've mixed in some blitzes and sent some corners and safeties at times Um, but it really has just been you know, we knew it was going to be a question mark because of the off-season turnover when, you know, Rob Ninkovich retires and we had talked about the fact that Chris Long and Jabal Sheard had moved on and Coney Ealy didn't work out and then Derek Rivers, your top pick, gets hurt, tears his ACL. Actually, when we were with you guys in West Virginia practicing with the Texans. So you knew there was going to be a limited amount of talent there, but it's really played out that way. Um, you know, I think Kyle Van Oy, the linebacker, has three and a half sacks to lead the team. Um, they, they just, it's, it's not a strength of their game. They're, they're finding ways to win without it. Um, and like I said, some of that is just, heck, we're not going to get there. So let's just drop and flood the zones and see if we can, we can cover better. Um, you know, that's obviously still a work in progress too, for this past defense. There were still guys in Denver running wide open. Um, but you know, I've sort of given up hope that they're ever going to have a consistent pass rush this season. One thing we know for sure, when these guys go out to Mexico city, when it comes to altitude, they'll be up there, but they're right now out in Colorado where they have an opportunity to work at the Air Force Academy. Uh, right now they have an addition to this team after missing two games. Malcolm Brown, he's getting a chance to get some work. Tell me how big of a loss was he not being able to play because of his ankle injury over the last couple of games? Huge. Um, that's your former first-round pick who I thought was playing some of his best football right before the injury. Um, and you don't have a lot of depth there. Allen Branch is, is their other real veteran big body in there. Lawrence Guy is sort of a versatile defensive tackle type, but not necessarily a run stuffer. That's why they brought in um, last week Ricky Jean-Francois um, to fill a gap there. And, you know, I think Brown is key because you're going up against the Raiders. They want to run the football. Marshawn Lynch is part of that offense. And obviously he's a physical, pounded up in there type runner. And if you don't have Malcolm Brown, um, that's more of a concern because, you know, they're a little undermanned at linebacker too. Their best run stuffing or, or run playing linebacker is Dante Hightower. He's out for the year with that torn peck. David Harris and Alandon Roberts have, have done their best, and they've been okay, and they run a lot of run blitzes when they're in there where they're not even 
really letting them read. As soon as the play declares as a run play, they're just pounding into the gaps um, full speed ahead and hoping to create piles. Well, you might not have to do that quite as often if you can get Malcolm Brown back out there. And he's a big body. He's tough to move. Um, that would certainly be a benefit to them as they get ready for Lynch and the Raiders. Andy, great information as always. Thanks so much for giving us a couple minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. We'll chat with you next week in advance of the holiday. This is my favorite part of the week. I, it's not a favor. I love it. All right. I would say you would have to raise your expectations, Andy. If we're the highlight of your week, I'm just saying. That I know. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> See you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown. Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for Cordell and I to detail the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Okay, partner, I'll go first. Anybody could just rattle off five good teams. It takes a logical foundation to really build an argument. So, at number five, your New Orleans Saints. Yes, I have reservations based on what's been the winning formula. Is this defense really that much improved? And I understand what Marshawn Lattimore has been doing. Their first-round pick in the secondary, making his case to win Defensive Rookie of the Year honors. Are they really going to commit to the run moving forward? And I understand how good Alvin Kamara has been, the rookie out of Tennessee. Still, I would be delusional not to acknowledge they're the hottest team in all of football. They've won seven consecutive games. And if you're looking at the numbers, Drew Brees has not done that much in recent weeks. Favorable matchup coming up. At home, inside the Rocket Superdome, taking on a Washington team that allowed Case Keenum to have four passing touchdowns on Sunday. If he could do that, what's Drew Brees going to do this Sunday? The Saints, number five in my power rankings. Number four, ram it. Oh, got to ram it. L.A. 7-2. I could do 20 minutes on how well this football team from Southern California is playing Think about the evolution on offense. Jared Goff actually looks like a functioning quarterback in the National Football League. Todd Gurley reverting to the form that we saw at Georgia. They made him a top 15 pick and earned him Offensive Rookie of the Year honors in St. Louis. And the defense, especially against the run, has solidified in recent weeks. It was clear that Aaron Donald missed training camp with his holdout. He's looking like one of the three best defensive players in all of football once more. Statement game opportunity coming up on the road in Minnesota on Sunday. You'll note Minnesota not in my top five. And number three, the Steelers, 7-2. Yes, you have to watch 
games to come up with informed analysis, and they were fortunate to escape Indianapolis with the victory. But that has been the issue for this team in recent years. They play down to the level of competition. Still, they've won four straight. I thought that defense was better. I have some reservations based on what happened in the secondary as Jacoby Brissett was able to air it out repeatedly against the Steelers on Sunday. Still, because they show up in games that matter, I believe in them tomorrow when they take on the Tennessee Titans on Thursday Night Football, Pittsburgh number three. And number two, the Patriots. No need to go through all that's working for the reigning world champs. However, if you believe that special teams truly are an important third of success in the National Football League, how about the job they did on the road in Denver on Sunday night? Kick return touchdown. They blocked a punt. They made a variety of plays in that important phase. Defensive question marks persist, but they're going to beat the Raiders on Sunday. I think the elevation adjustment is going to be a bigger challenge for the Patriots heading to Mexico City than anything the Silver and Black has to offer. Number one, Philadelphia Eagles. I don't need to go long for them here. Eight and one. They've won seven consecutive games. Favorable matchup coming up on the road in Dallas because we saw the Cowboys could not run the football without Ezekiel Elliott. Conversely, Philadelphia with a winning combination. Top 10 run defense. And they're running the ball even better with the addition of Jay Ajayi. Clearly, Philadelphia the best team in all of football. Counting them down Casey Kasem style. Not Case Keenum because Minnesota's not in my top five. New Orleans, five. L.A. Rams, four. Three, Pittsburgh. Two, New England. Philadelphia, one. Back to you. Hmm, that's good for you. I mean, I give you, you, you'll get a case of it in a minute. I know you're struggling with it. You're just, you're just hanging on to what you want to hang on to until he fails. But I tell you what, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But I'm going to go ahead and start with my number five team. My number five team that loves to ram it is the L.A. Rams with Jared Goff leading the helm, averaging over the six games that they've won this year. Out of six games, they've scored 30-plus points in those games, which is the best in the National Football League. Defensively, they're playing outstanding. I think Sean McVay has become extremely creative when it comes to using the pieces uh, on this offensive side of the football. And and think about it at the end of the day. Todd Gurley, I mean, he's just having a blast of a year so far, being able to catch the football out of the backfield for touchdowns, having a few 100-yard rushing games. One thing that he didn't have at all last year was a 100-yard rushing game when playing with the Rams under Coach Fisher. I hate to bring up Coach Fisher's name and throw him under the bus like this year, but you know what? He didn't do it with you, Coach. But guess what? At the end of the day right now, this team is playing some of the best Best football that can travel anywhere in the National Football League. That's led by Jared Goff, Wade Phillips, and his defense that actually turn it around quick, quicker than any other defense when it comes to changing coaches, changing uh, the personnel groupings on the defensive side of football. And of course, having Aaron Donald doesn't hurt. So I have the LA Rams at number five in next. Case Keenum in the Purple People Eaters. Give me a case of Minnesota Vikings. How about this? Third with the third best when it comes to QBR at 72.5. Sacked only one time since week four. And he also has the best QBR when it comes down to throwing the football under pressure. So when it comes down to it, they're giving him time. He's taking advantage of it. And he's also helping this offense run it when it comes down to running the football with Murray and also McKinnon. But the quarterback is throwing strikes. I mean, Thielen. 
uh, digs. Which one do you want to have with the most yards when it comes down to the receiver with the most yards that week? He's getting it done, Rudolph. He's also the quiet assassin with those other two guys and Diggs and Thielen, get Diggs and Thielen getting it done. But you know what? Case Keenum is playing out of his body, out of mind. He's doing great. I know you don't have him in the top five, but you're going to deal with him all year long because Case Keenum is not going anywhere. The next crew I like to talk about, that number three. I'm going with the New England Patriots. And the only reason I have him at number three right now is because I like to see where this defense is. This defense, when looking at how they played over the last five games, they've only given up 13.4 points. That's pretty darn tremendous considering that they were the worst defense in the National Football League starting out. Of course, you know who's the most consistent guy on this team. That's the guy number 12 in Tom Brady. This team is actually trending in the perfect, not the right, but the perfect direction, getting hot when they need to. Guys are falling off by the wayside, but they're still capable of getting it done because of that guy number 12. So I have the noon Patriots sitting at number three. And at number two, the black and yellow. I don't need to break down any stats. I'm just going to talk about how they're playing. Playing pretty darn good. Struggled against an Indianapolis coach. That's always a tough matchup. They gave up a lot in the secondary, but they prevailed and they got the victory. And that's all that matters. Last year, this team was sitting at four and five. Right now, they're sitting at seven and two. The Pittsburgh Steelers, it's going to scare everyone in the National Football League because one, these guys are healthy. And two, they're playing with a fullback. That guy, Roosevelt Nix, you know what he is. He's in the mix. He's getting it done. Black and yellow. They're in the house. The old man, Ben Roethlisberger, he's not doing it by being agile and moving in the pocket he's doing it between the ears which is a little bit better than what he's done in the past in a sense of how he's approaching these games how he's being a leader on this football team and last but not least this team is trending in the right direction as well trying to take themselves to getting the most Vince Lombardi let's go two more than everyone else that's trying to get the number seventh one and you're going to have Martavis Bryant in the mix again because guess what he's not going to be on the practice squad because he's acting right this week Last but not least, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, Philadelphia. What more can I say? Everything that they've done from they've done so far from coaching down to special teams, even to the offense and defense, guys filling in for players that are injured. This team is looking really good. And guess what? Coach Adam Gaze, I know you're pretty frustrated right now because your team is not performing well, but you gave up arguably one of the best offensive players in Jay Ajayi. He's having a phenomenal time playing with the Philadelphia Eagles with the guys that he has in the backfield with him, like Gary Blunt and Small. Wood. So I'm going to take it back from the top starting at five. The Rams, they ram it, scoring 30 points a game in the last six in the six games of the few that they've won this year. Minnesota Viking, Case Keenum. He's third when it comes down to the best QBR in the National Football League. Only sacked once since week four. New England Patriots giving up 13.4 points per game. This was a defense that was pretty darn horrendous when you first started the year off. The Steelers, you know how I feel about those guys. Black and yellow and Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz is just sticking up the joint by causing everyone problems. They can't stop the kid. One time we saw him play Brian. He gets inside. He looked like he's getting tackled. And all of a sudden he comes out on the other side of the, of the, of the mountain or the molehill of men. And all of a sudden he does a Houdini. And he comes out and he scrambles for 15 yards or so on third down. I love the way it is. So Rams, Minnesota, New England, Steelers, and the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles in Atlanta. Brotherly love. Back to you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this listen to tune in on your time with tune in on demand jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks and enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are when you're ready to escape head to your favorites hit play and listen with or without a wi-fi connection 
Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre, save your data with TuneIn On Demand. Download your favorites today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's provide your fantasy fix with Nick Mencio from rotoworld.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked off. Intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Let's say hello to our friend Nick Menzio, rotoworld.com. Nick, since we were just playing that curious soundbite from the head coach of the Vikings, Mike Zimmer, what's been the fantasy value so far of Case Keenum? How do you see him matching up against the Steely Ram defense on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, earlier today, uh, it was reported by Fox Sports' Jay Glazer that the Vikings were very tempted to uh, pull the plug on Keenum and go with Teddy Bridgewater this week. I mean, I don't think you can even trust to play Keenum this week against the Rams. I know it's a, it's a couple of good offenses teeing off against each other, but both defenses are really good too. So if the Vikings get in any trouble, I could see a quick hook on Keenum for sure this week. Will Marcus Mariota show the value he showed last year again, or will it take the offseason for his injuries to heal, and will he become the threat he once was? No, I'm I'm kind of liking uh, Mariota moving forward. I don't like him too much tomorrow night against the Steelers on the road against a real tough defense, but he gets the Colts after that at home. Uh, he gets the Texans in week 13, the Cardinals week 14, and the 49ers week 15. So he's got some great matchups coming up when uh, Thursday gets over with. So I, I like rolling with Mariota moving forward, especially after he ran the ball six times for 51 yards last week. He wasn't running the ball before that, so – it seems like his hamstring healed up a little bit. Fantasy fix being provided by Nick Mencio, rotoworld.com. Nick, breaking news today, not a huge surprise. Ezekiel Elliott's going to no longer fight legally his suspension. So we know no Ezekiel Elliott for the next five games. What did we learn week one without him on the road in Atlanta? Obviously missing Tyron Smith was a huge component in that game as well. Yeah, I was going to say what we learned probably was that Tyron Smith, a, a huge part of this offense, probably overlooked a little bit. You don't really notice those offensive linemen until you're missing them. So uh, they need to get him back first and foremost. But I, I like this offense to bounce back. I like Dak Prescott a lot. I think it's the offense is going to go through him still. Uh, the, the running backs I'm not really too excited about. Alfred Morris looked okay. Uh, Rob Smith was mixing in on pass downs. Derek McFadden wasn't even used very much, but – I still like this offense to go through Dak. I like him as a starting quarterback every week in fantasy. Des Bryant, he needs to step it up a little bit, get get his health together too. Uh, Jason Witten's decent tight end play every week. So I like these guys to bounce back. After one week on the field and then the bye week, how do you see Jay Ajayi being used by the Eagles and what's his value? Yeah, you, you mentioned it. One week on the field, one week off of the bye. Uh, he, looked, he scored that long touchdown in his first game with the Eagles, but – He's had the bye week to study the playbook. The offensive coordinator said that they're comfortable using him in any situation now. Uh, he gets a great matchup against the against the uh, Cowboys on Sunday night. I like him as an RB2 in that spot, especially on a run-heavy offense. Uh, 
they obviously traded to, traded a high draft pick to use him, and he gets a better offensive line in, in Philly. And I, I like him as an RB2 moving forward. Talking fantasy, Nick Mencio, rotoworld.com. Nick, I'm based in Southern California, so I watched all of that wild game between the L.A. Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Candidly, I did not know much about Austin Eckler prior to that game, and he had a costly fumble down the stretch. What's your view of what's going to happen now with the running back position? Is Melvin Gordon going to get a little bit less of the workload based on what apparently the Chargers coaching staff sees in Eckler? Yeah, I guess we need to get another week under our, under our belts here because, like you said, they were going to Eckler late in the game, and then he had that bad fumble, and they never really went back to him. But the past three, past three games, he's played at least 30% of the snaps, up and right around that range, and it looked like they wanted to turn to him a little bit more last week before the fumble and they had to go back to Gordon because I know, I mean, coaches are like that for some reason. They just don't tolerate fumbling for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, I, I mean, I think Eckler is a guy you need to be picking up in fantasy leagues. Melvin Gordon just isn't very good. I don't think he doesn't make a lot of guys miss. He's been getting by on like insane volume the past couple of years. And Eckler's cutting into that a little bit. And he's just, he's got more, more speed to him, more shiftiness, a little more playmaking ability, playmaking ability. So I like him as a, a pickup for sure right now. Nick, it was a tough week for Leonard Fournette. Uh, do you think the injury is still bothering him? How much uh, does that affect his value moving forward after a near, a near no-show in a dream matchup this past week? Yeah, that was just a bad a bad, bad game and a good matchup, like you said. We, I expected a lot more from Fournette after having four weeks off. He, looked, he should have been fresh, but the, the Jaguars seemed to like be going to T.J. Yeldon more in passing situations. They weren't really doing that early, earlier in the year as Yeldon was inactive like the first month and a half of the season. And Chris Ivory's not a guy that plays on pass down. So Leonard Fournette was getting so much volume, and that volume was cut back last week, and he gets another bad matchup against the Browns. I know the Browns are really bad as a team, but their, their one strength is their run defense, and they've been holding running back to 2.9 yards per carry on the season. So Fournette's having a really, another really tough draw this week. He's just going to have to get volume, and you just got to play him as an RB2 on that volume and hope that he scores a touchdown. Finally, Nick, Robert Woods had a monster game for the Rams, who had to settle for field goals first half when they were taking on Houston on Sunday. Came alive second half, pair of long touchdown grabs, all told, 171 receiving yards. Where are you slotting Woods amongst premier receivers at this stage of the season? Yeah, this dude's been on fire back-to-back career days against the Giants and uh, Texans, like you said. Awesome games from him. Uh, Coach Sean McVay is just one of the best schemers in the league right now. He just knows how to attack attack opposing defenses and knows their weaknesses. And, I mean, Woods, I'd probably rank in the top 25, top 30. I'm not really too bullish on him right now. I I think he's wide receiver overall 13 in TPR leagues right now. That's elite company right now, so... I mean, I know he's playing great ball. He scored a few touchdowns the past couple of games, but he's never been a big touchdown scorer in his career. I just, I want, to, I want to see more before I bump him up in that wide receiver one, uh, high end wide wide receiver two range before, before that. So I'm, I'm keeping him as a back end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three right now. Another week and another touchdown for Robbie Anderson. Do you think he can keep up his performance? And where do you rank him amongst receivers in the National Football League? Yeah, awesome deep threat right now for the Jets. Scored in four straight games, I believe it is. Uh, he got lucky to score a garbage time touchdown last week, dropped a couple passes, but his his playmaking ability is off the charts. Uh, I like him as a top 40 guy. I think he's a must-start right now. He's obviously the clear number one, number one receiver in, in New York. Uh, they play from behind a little bit most weeks, so 
I like him to get garbage time reps, garbage time uh, production. So I'd be starting him anywhere I have him. Nick, as always, we value the insights. Thanks for joining us again this week on the NFL on TuneIn. Awesome, guys. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.